It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Welcome to the latest episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Uh, I am Scott, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Lauren. Lauren, yes. And tonight, we gather to discuss a movie that you may or may not have seen, but is readily available, uh, whether you... uh, want to rent or buy it digitally on like say iTunes or uh, Amazon or if you want to go over down the street to your local Redbox it is still there um, but I know this because that is how I got it uh, nope that's a lie I got it on iTunes for 99 cents they had a special but the movie I am talking about we will be talking about is the sci-fi film from 2016 Arrival that's right uh, Arrival uh, a, uh, a film that um I don't know. For me, it did not have a lot of uh, build up to it. Like I wasn't really aware of it, and then like suddenly I saw like a trailer for it, like the week it came out or something like that, and was like, "Ooh, that looks mm-hmm. really good." Um, and yeah, and then didn't go see it in the theater. I I feel kind of badly that I didn't, but um, am happy that uh, I caught it finally here uh, uh, on Blu-ray. Uh, likewise, likewise. Um, yeah, it's based on a, a short, I guess, a short story or a novella uh, written by Ted Chang, uh, which I did not know about. Um, I did not hear anything about it. Likewise, I saw the trailer and I went, what is this? This looks up my alley. Uh, the trailer made made one think it was going to be a first contact-esque sci-fi, uh, which is, uh, as a big fan of sci-fi, one of the many kinds of sci-fi I enjoy. <laughs> so <laughs> I was excited. Um, as, as always, for those of you, if this is your first episode, I know like every episode is probably somebody's first episode. want to throw a big warning out there that on this podcast, we like to discuss and pick apart movies, talk about what makes them work, what makes them special, what frustrates us. In order to do that, we will be heavily getting into spoilers because there's really no way to discuss this film without talking about the beginning, middle and end. So, um, I highly recommend you see this movie. Um, if you don't want some of the nuance uh, spoiled for you, go watch it and then come back to this episode. We'll still be here, um, probably still talking about it. Um, but want to throw that out to you before uh, we get into uh, all of it. Yeah, spoiler-heavy territory abounds ahead. So uh, <laughs> yes. you, are, you are forewarned. <laughs> so um, where to begin? Um, I guess maybe the beginning where we get treated to an up-like uh, montage. Yeah, well, that's a that's a funny question. Actually, the way you put that is is to begin at the beginning and and where to begin because that is a strange question by the end of this film, really. Yes, and, like, and what is it, the beginning? What is the beginning? Because um, well, it's interesting the way that montage plays out. In the montage, we see basically um, Amy Adams' uh, character uh, have a child and grow up, and the child. Um, becomes older and then we discover the child is sick and then the child dies and then the aliens show up so going into this movie like there was like uh my wife and i watched it together um kelly for those of you who've been listening for a while you know her um for those who don't well, just kelly and um there was a, there was some discussion as the movie progressed like when are these aliens showing up is this like the day her daughter died or is this like the next day, like there was like a weird kind of time shift that was almost imperceptible. Um, and my theory was that was in the past. That was just all introduction to the character. And she kind of went through most of the film thinking, no, this was like the day after like 
her, you know, or the day, you know, her daughter died where she walks down the hospital hallway and then into school and the aliens show up. So it's interesting the way they play with time right from the beginning, just to let you know, this is not as, you know, not everything's as it seems. Yeah. It's um, this, uh, I would say this movie is kind of in the vein of some of the classic mystery type movies. Not like yeah. mysteries is like, Oh, who did it kind of thing, but mysteries as in like films that have set themselves up to be kind of a riddle of themselves. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of stuff like The Prestige or even something kind of like The Sixth Sense, you know, like like where it's kind of like the big reveal at the end. This is a spoiler for that. Uh, you know, Bruce Willis is dead. Uh, we have a whole podcast about that one if you want to go listen to it. But um, like once you realize this thing about the movie, you know, once you kind of get the things that are going on in The Prestige and you go back and rewatch the movie, it's a different kind of movie to you because you now understand the clues they had been dropping self-referentially to themselves uh, yeah. all this way. You know, it's, it's even, like, you can even go, like, the show Arrested Development. It's a comedy, and, like, but so much of the comedy in that is, like, built on, like, these little... They put stuff, you know, ten episodes back, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and then and then reference those things slowly and slowly until, like, something big happens, and then when you go back and watch it, it's like there were little hints that, you know, somebody was going to lose a hand or something, you know, just like building for for 10 episodes before you get to it. And it's that sort of thing that this movie does. Yeah. It really kind of reminds me of like a a Philip K. Dick story or even a Kurt Vonnegut um, where it's like, you kind of are going along with it and you kind of like, I'm not sure what's happening, but I am totally on board. Um, So Amy Adams is our main character. She plays a linguist, which is like, a couple minutes into the movie, I was like, it's not every sci-fi movie that will take time to diagram a sentence, <laughs> which is what she does. Um, except um, it's interesting because Kelly pointed out she was actually she didn't just diagram a sentence. She just diagrammed the way people think. And that, to me, is one of the most interesting things about this film. Um, you have Amy Adams as the as the linguist. Uh, Jeremy Renner plays a uh, scientist. Yeah, he's he's kind of studying the science of the aliens while she is she is trying to learn right. how to communicate with them. Right, and so um, and that's that's kind of the main crux of the film is these aliens show up, a giant massive spaceship shows up, and um, they do not speak our language. And so not only do they not speak our like they don't speak any language that is like at all recognizable or translatable. Um, by any or any of Earth's languages, it's not just like English. When I say our language, um, and so there is this. Um, that is the challenge of the film: is like how do you discuss, how do you communicate anything, if <laughs> there is like there is no, um, they don't even look like us. Like you don't get a real super great glimpse of them um, through most of the film. Um, but there's just like there's nothing like you can't like they don't have two arms and two legs and a single head, and so you go. There's a, how do you begin that conversation? And that's um, really to me what was I found so fascinating about this was kind of the kind of the thesis that um, the way we use words and the way words use us. Like, yeah, um, I don't know if this is accurate, but someone once told me there is no. Um, this is a, an example. Someone once told me that there is no uh, Chinese word for privacy. And I don't know if that's accurate. If that's a stereotype, I apologize. But if you just think about that for a second and go, like, if you don't have that concept, how does that change the way you relate to the world? How does that change your expectations? How does that change just everything? And to me, that's what 
that exploration is so much of about what this movie is actually kind of about is this like how we present ourselves how how we um it's it's view others yeah it's it's really well i was gonna say it's it's almost a um it's a it's a story about culture and about miscommunication and about how to find common ground when Mm -hmm. you do not share the same forms of communication the same uh, basic ideologies in this case because you are a completely different species uh, from you know but but even within that the secondary story is about how all of the world powers uh, mm-hmm. are very um, how, how they are communicating and then not communicating and then cutting themselves off from each other as as this alien as, continues right it's, as it's some kind of, them, of a mirror yeah. to this to this story of learning to communicate it's how humans are stopping to communicate yeah it's like it's like this really interesting kind of quest for power and so like you can see how you can draw parallels in history to like once this country figured this thing out they didn't need anybody else (laughs) and like and the different like allies that kind of come together because like no no wait guys we need to still stick together and figure this out because uh this country has uh, has cut off cut off from the rest of the world and there's all these things going on and it's just fascinating because like i feel like this is one of those little details that usually gets glossed over in science fiction like uh in hitchhiker's guide they have the babble fish that just like helps everybody understand every single language in doctor who the tardis just kind of like magically interprets everything for everybody um but they like they don't and they don't give anything (laughs) to our main characters there is just like nothing um they have to figure it out um from just like the offset and slowly slowly try to you know figure out um what this sound means what's what this image means and try to figure out the how to communicate and how um and it's fascinating i think you you were talking about it earlier how this is a movie that isn't like kind of predicated on action or violence but and so those are the obstacles it's not a matter of getting how many weapons you need or the better weapon it's it's language Right. Yeah. And and in in the case of this movie, the violence that does occur, which there there's really one act of violence in the whole movie. Yeah. Um and when it happens, oh, it's it's like devastating almost. It's cuz you're you're mm-hmm. just kind of like yelling at the screen like don't do it. They're almost there. Like they've almost got this solved. Why would you be doing this? And yeah. then you also kind of understand why the people involved would be would maybe be doing it like it's 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 pretty sure it, it's a well nuanced film i guess i would say yeah uh, with a whole lot of disposable characters like like sure. good actors and disposable roles other than really amy adams right like like uh jeremy renner really is there so amy adams has someone to talk to like yeah he I mean, he's a great guy like i i liked his character but like generally speaking he doesn't do a whole lot to advance the plot other than be a soundboard for Amy Adams. Um, likewise, the person who does that, the act of violence is kind of a nothing character through most of the film. He's there in most of the, like in a lot of the background scenes, um, but he kind of shows up and does this huge thing, but isn't really that remarkable of a person or a character um, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, man, I, I, you know, I guess, I guess it, it's kind of one of those movies like I was really on on board with it really through to the big reveal um, right 
and then the big reveal happened and uh, i i was still on board with it afterwards i, I guess i i led up to that wrongly uh, and i didn't turn off the movie <laughs> i did not i did not throw it across the room and storm off to no uh no i i was still with it but uh i think we had talked about this a little bit earlier uh before mm-hmm. the podcast um there was kind of a moment when that happened that that i think uh i think you were saying kind of like you just kind of went oh this is a time travel movie yeah yeah like it was clearly building to something because you keep seeing these flashes of her of her child and they're new flashes so that it's not always just like replaying these old moments and um going i mean being somewhat genre savvy you know after watching so many movies or reading so many books you start to kind of go oh is this is it this kind of a movie is it this kind of movie and i had this building dread that it was actually going to be first contact in which um the aliens kind of at the end of that movie um spoiler alert i guess kind of used the a the vision of jodie foster's father to communicate with her and i had this real dread since we had already seen her daughter die that the aliens were going to use like her a vision of her daughter you know a hologram of her daughter something to communicate with her like here here's how we can speak your language we will use your own thoughts and memories to put this into your head um and it turned out not to be that and it actually turned out to be um i mentioned kurt vonnegut earlier uh one of my favorite books is um if you haven't read it slaughterhouse five which is this time travel story about a person who kind of becomes unhinged with time, um, not unhinged, but unsynced with time. He kind of falls out of time and kind of experiences his whole life all at one time, past, present, future. And it's this really kooky, crazy book that is definitely worth reading. Um, but that's essentially what happens in this story then. And once you kind of realize what's happening, um, but they do it a little bit differently, um, which is kind of going back to what we were talking about before with the language, which is they go. You go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the uh, the aliens, which are kind of these squid-like creatures, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, their language uh, is this cyclical pattern. Um, like it's it, the 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 way it's depicted in the movie is kind of these these circular waveforms that. Uh, de- involve kind of glyphs and, and things that depending on how you put it all together it creates yeah. a a concept more than a more than a word right uh, everything comes out as, as a whole thought rather than a a single concept and and as amy adams specifically learns this language and and begins understanding it um it turns out that these aliens are are unlocked in time kind of like you're saying mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. they do not experience moments they experience all time at once um, right so and... these symbols can mean like a single thought whether it's like a sim- single object or it can be like an entire idea it can be like a, a whole thing right and and as it unlocks uh this language for amy adams it also unlocks her brain if you will mm-hmm. from time and she see yeah and, yeah. and becoming becoming fluent in the language of these creatures, she is literally changed as a person to someone who can now experience the world in a completely different way. And, and the big crux of that, of course, is that this allows her to solve the, the imminent crisis by, uh, by showing up at a couple of key places, knowing stuff that she would learn later, uh, and being able to say the right thing to the right person that would convince them earlier on 
because she right. knew this thing later, but she knows it now because she has unlocked time. And right, the, and it, it, it's the, interesting because go ahead. Oh well, and I was gonna say, and then the 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 downside to it, or the 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 really the the part where it gets kind of into philosophy with this, is then the discussion of what happens with her daughter. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's not just a matter. It it, it plays it a little vague, in that. It's, it does. On one hand, I think it could be argued that she sees the future, like she sees time playing out. But on the other hand, it also seems that maybe she travels to the future, mm-hmm. like she finds herself in the moment, like she's actually there ten years from now and is able to glean the information she needs because she knows what question to ask at that moment and then come back to the present to apply that. But I mean, it plays. You know, it's it's a little vague, and I think it's open to a certain amount of interpretation. But yeah, then it kind of ends with you kind of going. Oh, so that means she's going to have a baby. She can choose whether or not to have a baby, and she's but she knows she's going to have this baby and she's going to watch it die, and she's going to hold that information from this child until the moment is right. And then, because from you, you know basically the next ten years of her life, you know why her and her husband break up, you know like the whole thing, and it's it's a, it's almost a completely different philosophical question an idea than the entire rest of the movie is. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was maybe the, the oddest part of it for me is that, is that the film was kind of about this one thing and then brought it to more of an emotional concept at the end of like, okay, but practically what does that mean for one person? Like if you know the good and the bad that's going to happen to you, do you still make the same choices and that kind is it of better thing? to have loved and lost than not loved at all? And it's like, that's that's an interesting question, but I, I, th- th- if I had, I guess, anything kind of negative to say about the movie, I kind of wish those moments in time were more closely tied to the, the metaphor that is like when you learn a new language, when you speak another language, you see the world differently because you ha- actually have to think differently. You have to see things differently. And maybe, I mean, I mean it, it's, it's very loosely tied to the idea, you know, but like... Not really. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that that is maybe the biggest criticism that I would have of it is is just yeah. kind of this this mismatch of uh, of kind of the mystery that's going on, if you will, with right. the theme of the film. Um, I think a couple yeah. of the other things that that I mentioned earlier tie those themes together in a in a tighter bow together. Um, yeah, like especially I don't know, like I, I almost feel like if if part of that because the thing is that reveal comes like in the last like five to ten minutes of the movie which makes you start thinking this question about you know this philosophical question i almost wish like the alien outcome was also different like this is going to happen and then you know the aliens kill everybody or the aliens don't kill everybody. you know something where it's like if you had gone down this path if you hadn't gone down this path also the world would have be would be different, which it kind mm-hmm. of eludes that it is, but it's like I feel like if like if the two metaphors or the two concepts, two, the the philosophy with the metaphor were just a little bit just a little bit tighter, it would be like a perfect perfect film. Yeah, and uh, you know I think this is the interesting thing to this because you know this is this is a movie that um, is about kind of this this larger time concept, and that's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. already because you know we're working within the the dimensions that we have um to you know fit things into a typical three-act structure for uh for a film and 
and tell a story in a certain way that brings the audience along with it. Um, and then when you're telling a story about unshackling completely from those constructs, like how do you... Uh, it, it really feels like the the filmmakers and the, and the the maybe even the original story, which I have not read, but it feels like they wanted to go somewhere beyond where most films have gone. And at the end of the day, like it, I, I feel like they hit the wall of what we can communicate to each other. Um, yeah, and, and you know, within that, there just isn't there isn't a way to express this thing beyond where we already are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that may be one of the weirdest things I've ever had to say. But well, it, but well, it, it, it also, I mean, this discussion and even the movie, like it, it took me a day or two uh, to kind of realize this. Uh, but this conversation is making me remember it. Is that it actually reminded me a lot of Interstellar, like mm-hmm. another sci-fi movie that came out uh, maybe two years ago or three years ago at this point, um, that kind of played with some similar concepts, especially the way the movie concludes, um, kind of entering a fourth dimension and these other things that kind of take place that involve time travel, that involve um, this uh, bootstrap paradox mm-hmm. of like, what came first, or did they both happen because, you know, they both can't have happened, but yet they did. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I mean, and honestly, um, I, I, I'm stealing your words here, but like, despite these criticisms, it's still kind of like, um, this is what I want from my sci-fi films. Like the, I love this kind of thing. And um, oh, and we haven't even talked about um, the soundtrack, which oh, yes. um, the score is gorgeous. <laughs> Definitely, um, it's composed by Johan uh, Johansson. Mm-hmm. Is his name? And if you would like a sample of this, um, I highly, highly recommend the podcast um, Song Exploder. Um, which is uh, produced by uh, Hiroke Shiroe. I, oh, I might be mispronouncing that name. Um, but uh, there is a, a, a an episode dedicated to one song from this score, and he basically just talks about how he came up with it and how he applied the concept of language to music and brought s- these different sounds together. And the whole the podcast is brilliant. Like every episode is basically an artist just taking apart every level of their song and then just kind of showing this is this beat, this is this layer, this is this layer, and altogether it sounds like this. Um, it's definitely worth listening to if you can find the, again, his name is Johan Johansson, and um, it's on Song Exploder. It's from, I think it was released late 2016 or early 2017. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll link to it. Uh, yeah. We'll link to it in our show notes. Definitely. It's like, it's it's one, Arrival has one of the most unique uh, sci-fi scores I've heard in a very long time. Yeah, uh, no, it's 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 haunting and beautiful and and magnificent in uh, uh, just the way it fits this and just I, I mean as a creation on its own, it's it's mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous to listen to and and when interweaving with the movie, it's it's fantastic. Um, so uh, last question I have for you, Lauren, mm-hmm. is this director whose name I cannot pronounce. <laughs> Uh, French director. My understanding is to go back to our Ridley Scott conversation. This is the guy directing the new Blade Runner movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, what uh, do you think? <laughs> I am hopeful. <laughs> uh, I mean, there. Obviously, we did an episode of Blade, about Blade Runner before, and uh, no, you know, no bones about it. It is one of my absolute favorite films. 
Um, I have been hopeful about the sequel mm. since I heard rumors there would be a sequel. Um, mm-hmm. I know it is possible to do good things in the Blade Runner universe. Uh, mm-hmm. In the late 90s, there was a Blade Runner video game uh, that came out that is amazingly good. Um, like, shockingly good. Uh, it was made by Westwood Studios, and they, they did it with love. And basically, you played uh, in a similar... Uh, really this kind of the same same time as as uh, in Blade Runner but you play a different um, a different Blade Runner and but you kind of go on a similar journey to, to what Deckard did and it's uh, man it's 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 great I'm um, unfamiliar with this yeah uh, and it, it's it, it's tied up in legal things and missing you know different studios bought different things even within the games industry and like you can't find it anywhere today um, I remember this cover. Yeah, but it's a fantastic game, uh, and it treated the material well. I I believe the same can be done with another movie in that universe. Um, I don't think it's... I, I mean, maybe this is the wrong thing to say. I don't think it's too hard of a thing to do. The, the universe is pretty rich, and it's kind of making a you know, a 1930s or 40s noir kind of film in a mm-hmm. sci-fi setting. Uh, and and really, it's just kind of finding that philosophical thing that you want to explore and then, you know, weaving a story around that. So based yeah. on based on Arrival and, and seeing that, that, that this guy seems to get... Um, seems to get these large picture concepts, I am optimistically hopeful. <laughs> I am too. Same director, same uh, composer. Uh, Harrison Ford is back, um, and uh, of course Ryan Gosling. But like, yeah, like I feel like exactly what you said. I feel like the universe is rich enough that it should. It's rich enough, but like also very open and vague enough. Like we're not talking about someone bringing back a, this huge franchise. Like, how do you make another Star Wars movie? How do you make another Star Trek movie? How do you keep this fresh yeah. and interesting? It's like, there was one movie 40 years ago, or 30 years ago. That, that really only focused on, like, two people. Right, mostly. right. And, and the, we got these hints of, like, and you could see this, you know, it was a very, you could t- it was a very lived-in world, but, like, literally anything else could happen still. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful as well, and intrigued, and the whole thing. Um, anyway, but that is, that is off topic from arrival. <laughs> um, is there yeah. anything else you'd like to add as we, uh, wrap this episode up? Well, no, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna echo what you said, you know, arrival. I, I, I want to say any critiques that I've had or, or anything like that in this, um, that's because we're, we're here to, to look at it, right? Like we're, this, mm. this is part of what we're doing is, is kind of pulling it apart and, and poking around the edges and seeing what works and what doesn't and that kind of thing. Um, all of that out the window, this is exactly the sort of movie that I want my sci-fi to be. Um, and I was so happy watching it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like when I said that I got to the twist and was... No, I, like I loved it. I, mm-hmm. I, I loved the movie. I was so, so happy with just the the smartness and the intelligence that it was handled with. Um, mm-hmm. That... I... I literally yeah. watched this movie with a smile on my face the entire time. Like, 
I was just grinning, like except for like the incredibly sad parts. <laughs> the rest, I was just like, like I can't believe they're doing this. This is so great. I can't believe they're doing this. This yeah. is so great. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I feel like we're in a um, in a moment in time where we're starting to get some really good sci-fi films. Um, you know, I, I, to me, Interstellar is is right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, man, I, I I loved Interstellar. I know there's people who have dissenting opinions on that, but but to me, it was fantastic. Um, Gravity, mm-hmm. despite all of the errors with it, was just a a rush of a ride to to you know be in. Um, uh, I don't, the, yeah, The Martian uh, is yeah. just a, a really great um, sort of you know hard science kind of film. Again, some errors and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I don't I don't care about errors in science necessarily in movies. Um, as long yeah. as it's sparking the imagination of people to want to do science and to want to explore these concepts, like they don't, ha- they don't have to nail everything as long as they're making I the story completely right. completely agree. Completely and, agree. And I, I just, I love this renaissance of hard sci-fi that we are starting to be in again. I cannot wait to see more of it that includes the new blade runner hopefully Ooh, deus ex um, yeah and who, who knows what else yeah sorry I, I, the deus ex machina the no what, what was it called ex machina movie yeah yeah sorry deus ex is a video game i uh i confuse things but that was another great sci-fi film of the past couple years yeah that... exactly exactly uh and, and completely been, agree yeah there have completely. been others I'm, i know i'm leaving some some great ones out here um but yeah, uh, so that that is how I would wrap this up, is just to say, um, uh, it's a movie you should love. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode. Uh, we hope you are enjoying our comeback here after a couple of years of, of uh, being silent on the interwebs. Uh, we are excited to be back. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, you can find us on the internet. Uh, MoviesYouCanLove.com is our website. Uh, or you can find yes. us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash MoviesYouShould. We're at both of those places. Yep, yep. We'll see you next time. See you later. You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at MoviesYouShouldLove.com. 